0: then she looks me dead in the eye. And she's like, "I want you to know this: um, a
1: person is not defined by the worst thing you've ever done, and you're not defined by the greatest thing you'll ever do. God defines who you are. You know who God is."
2: It's not the critic who counts; not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood.
0: This is a first for me. I am super excited about this guy uh, that we have our guest for this show. This guy was in the adult film industry for several years. That Well, that's not why I'm excited to have him on. I'm excited to have him on because after making a thousand movies, he dropped out of the industry, fell in love, became a Christian, and he's a pastor today. Guys, I'm talking about a porn star Turn pastor. Today we want to talk about overcoming shame from your past, an ex-porn star's perspective. I'm super excited about this episode today. And uh, guys, before we jump into that, I want to jump into our man laws. Guys, remember our man laws are supplied by you, our heroes. And when we use yours, we will send you some swag. So this week's man law is from Jeff Burgess. Uh, (laughs) Jeff says, Never pee facing upwind. And I'm going to add something to you from a hunter's perspective. Never pee facing downhill. There's nothing worse than urine on your boots, unless it's elk urine, of course. And so I just thought that was funny. Never pee. You know, my dog... I had a dog years ago, Ruger, and and he decided to pee on our Christmas lights. Well, he learned the hard way. Don't do that. So never pee near an electric fence. (laughs) It really hurts. So, hey, Jeff, hit us up, and we will take care of you with some swag. And this week's hero story is from Josh, really excited about this hero story. Josh is a 41-year-old father of five from Twin Falls, Idaho. He writes this, guys, I've been praying and looking for a group of Christian men to do life with, not the kind of men who coddle me, but who push me and sharpen me and say the hard things. That sounds like this kind of group. He sounds like he'd fit in great with our group, and he, he did. He says, I found what I was looking for with my virtual men in the arena group and he continues you challenge me in many ways through your books and podcasts you say it how it is i respect you for saying the hard things that no one else has the guts to say he had a different biological body part there anyway uh, i i've been growing for uh, forward with the lord as a father and a husband thank you for being a blessing josh that is awesome that is so awesome man gosh that's just great hearing your stories guys if you have hero stories, man, you're the hero in this thing. You're the ones we want to put on display. Hit us up at info at arena.org. We want to share what God is doing in your life. And to say thank you, we will send you some swag when you send us your physical address. So we can mail the stuff to you. Guys, if you heard from that story that Josh had, go to our website. Go to the homepage. Click on Join Our Program now. And guys, I'm telling you, you need to be in a small group. We have some phenomenal National team captains. These guys are all volunteers. You're going to love these guys. Sign up today. Hey, guys, again, thanks for listening to the episode of this podcast. And, guys, thank you so much for making Men in the Arena podcast. Spotify's number one Christian podcast for men. It's exciting to to see that happening, what God's doing there. Guys, I'm excited about today's guest, Joshua Brome. He's 39 years old, married to his beautiful wife of almost six years. Hope they have three bouncing baby boys so uh i same same as me only my bouncing baby boys are 28 26 and 24 so a lot of war stories coming your way my friend hey guys uh listen to this stuff there's a six-year period when joshua was one of the most successful adult film stars in the world making over a thousand films at the rate of 20 to 25 a month he became famous rich traveled the world but discovered that none of those things filled the emptiness in his heart. So he quit the industry in 2012, gave his life. Soon after, he gave his life to Jesus due to the influence of his bride, Hope. The redemption story of what God has done in this guy's life is one that every guy needs to hear. He's currently the pastor at Good News Baptist Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Travels around the country preaching his faith and doing a bunch of other things. And it's exciting to have Joshua Broome on the podcast how you doing man? Man, I'm doing great after that introduction, baby. <laughs> hey, you said you yeah. want a WWE. I
1: I, I, love I, it. I
0: actually pulled an O out of your last name on accident there at the end. It's Broom.
1: Hey, that's okay. It's okay. I, it, it just makes it sound more fancy, you know. <laughs> I remember when my wife and I were on uh, we were we went to the the DR, went to the Dominican Republic for a honeymoon. And uh-huh. uh, they, they kept saying brome bro or, or Brumy or whatever. I was like, no. Nope. That E throws just, you off, you know. It's go by.
0: just, go by. just for, Well, no. it's funny, man. When I was researching your show, you know, guys will often joke, what's your porn star name? You actually have a porn star name. And I'm not going to say it on yeah. the air, but, but I yeah. thought, oh my yeah. gosh, he actually has a porn star name. I was praying about this podcast and I had something really weird happen to me. And I've never really done this before, but I'm going to do it with you because God really put on my heart. And I just want to tell you, I'm about 17 years older than you. So from an older guy to a younger guy, man, I just want to say how proud I am of you uh, and what you've accomplished. It, it takes guts to do what you've done. And the transformation is, is brilliant and beautiful. And I'm just really proud of you, man. I don't know you, but I just want to say that from an older guy to a younger guy. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. So there you go. Yeah, man, just just
1: to be uh, vulnerable and in and, and- and you know, I, I talk a lot about hot conversations, right? So honest, open, and transparent. And to be honest, man, um, you know, it, it's hard for me to hear that from someone I respect without me getting emotional because my entire life, I, I, even if, when people were saying it, I, I didn't hear that because someone who grew who grew up without a father, um, that is all I wanted to hear. So, like now, like if my like if my wife says that to me or like someone like I love and respect, it just wrecks me more often than not because man, um, my entire life, I just wanted to hear that. So I, I honor you and I appreciate that so much, man. Um, And it's definitely been a journey. It's definitely been a journey. And that's, I want to be a man who, you know, my children can look up to and I want to leave a legacy. That's not, you know, I I was this guy that accomplished all the stuff in pornography that, you know, I, I stormed the gates of hell and I lived a life, you know, worth living that my kids yeah. can be proud of, you know? So yeah, that's I appreciate cool. that. It's so funny.
0: It's, it's really funny when I was prompted to say that to you, my first thought was, I wonder if he's got a dad in the picture. Cause that's something yeah. that we long to hear from our dads. And so oh, absolutely. when, when an older dude can say it to a younger, dude, just looking at, just looking at your history and what you've overcome, man, that's just, uh, well, let's just dive yeah. into that. Let's dive into it. Okay. So I've, I've uh, yeah. read several articles about you and I've done some research I didn't dive too deep though, just to let you know, I just, just the good stuff. Here you go. So you, you know, you quit the porn industry, as you said, it caused quote, a tremendous amount of emotional trauma. This is an article in the post. And then you continued, you said, I literally lost track of who I was. This is really interesting right here. And I've heard this before, but you said everything was lies and fiction I wanted to take my own life and didn't have the guts to do so. So can you walk us through your, can you walk us through that? Walk us through your story. How'd you go from a North Carolina boy to a leading actor in the porn industry? Walk us through that process.
1: Yeah. So um, I was born in South Carolina, but the town was so small that we didn't have a hospital. So we had to go across the state line to Charlotte to to be born, (laughs) you know, but uh, yeah, I grew up in a really small town in South Carolina, and I started modeling when I was fourteen or fifteen. Uh, had a lot of success modeling. I wanted to have more success acting, but modeling was something that was just working out. Um, to to paint the picture, just to give a little foreshadowing. So for me, my whole life, um, I my mom had me when she was sixteen. My dad lived in the same town, like ne- like never did anything like demonstrative to me just chose as a 16 year old not to play the part of a father. So I lived in a town so small that literally I would see this man who was my father in the grocery store and I didn't know him. So wow. you can, you can imagine, especially now, like in retrospect, the the amount of confusion and the amount of, you know, just, insignificance that made me feel. And for someone who has an astronomically high achiever personality, I tried to fill that gap or that void with, I had to be the best. I had to, you know, I had to be the best on the baseball team. I had to be the best on the, you know, the basketball team. I had to get, you know, I had to win the spelling bee, the geography bee. Um, You know, I had to get the girl that no one could get. I had to get the most girls. And those momentary accomplishments tried to just suppress that void that I had in my heart because I felt like I wasn't good enough. Mm, So that continued, you know, I started modeling again, like 14, 15, had had some success, go to college for theater. Um, I was like back and forth from like theater and mass communications. I just knew I I wanted to run my mouth, (laughs) you know, pretty (laughs) much. And um, just, I was having success modeling, but I knew like, you know, as a, as a six to like 200 pound, like hazel eyed, brown haired guy that there's millions of me. Uh, if, if someone lives in Los Angeles and I'm auditioning for a job in Los Angeles, whoever's in closer proximity is getting the job. So I thought if I put myself in closer proximity, then, you know, life would be hunky dory. So I, I dropped everything, dropped out of college. Um, it was like the second semester of my sophomore year and I moved to Hollywood and, Uh, Most people that end up where I ended up, they must've had like tremendous failure or like, you know, they were exploited or something terrible happened to them or they needed money. That wasn't my story. Like I was having some success. Like, yeah, just like any other person that moves to Hollywood, I had to get a job because you know, I I was living far beyond my means. It's incredibly expensive. Um, I did not manage my money well whatsoever, and, you know, like work was, um, work was pretty sporadic. So I'm working at this restaurant and these four girls walk up to me and I thought, you know, I'm going to throw on my Southern charm and, you know, get their number or something like that. And they say, hey, have you ever thought about acting? And I was like, yeah, and I'm an actor, you know, this is the deal. They're going to, you know, they're going to invite me to like a, a project. Maybe they're working with like, you know, Mark Scorsese or something. Like, I don't know. And they're like, no, we're talking about porn. And it was just like, E-break. I was like, what? And the best that I can describe is like when, when I took my kids to Disney World, they saw Mickey and they'd only seen the cartoon. They'd never seen Mickey in person. So all of a sudden this this living, breathing giant mouse is waving at them and they're petrified. They're terrified. They want nothing to do with them. And all of a sudden I'm seeing this living, breathing person that I've only seen on a screen Inviting me into their world, so I was like half confused and half very curious. And they said, "Hey, well, um, how about we go and meet with our agent?" And then all of a sudden, they're talking language that you know kind of breaks down some boundaries and makes it less weird because it was super weird, you know, like super yeah. weird, like little, like little town South Carolina boy in Hollywood. You know, I've been out there for about a year and a half, two years, and then someone's like, "Hey, do you want to?" you know, do porn. I was just like, what? And I walk into this uh this agency and I thought it was gonna be super sketchy. Like I thought, you know, I was gonna walk into like a motel six and there was gonna be an old man like picking something out of his belly, but like super weird. <laughs> but it wasn't weird. It wasn't. So I walk in and it's in a business complex and there's a private elevator. And the garage that I walked through to get to that private elevator had all the cars that I've never even seen before. And I go up this elevator and I walk into this office and there's this guy sitting there, double Windsor tie, three piece suit. And he asked me a few questions in retrospect, um, just very like, how can I manipulate this person? How did, hey, um, great to meet you. Could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Like, how did you grow up? Where are you from? Um, You know, why are you here and what do you want to accomplish? And it's like, you know, I, I grew up with my mom. I'm out here to act and model and I want to be famous. He's like, great. Awesome. Um, Well, there's not a lot of guys that are good looking that's in the industry and definitely not a lot to have um, acting ability. And that (laughs) whole industry is shifting to these parodies in these big movies. And because you have acting experience, you can be the guy. So you'll be famous. You'll travel the world. You'll make all this money, and you'll get all these girls. It'll be amazing. Everyone will know your name, which is actually the opposite of what happened because my name stopped to exist. So from that moment, I said yes to one film. I did it not really thinking that anything was going to come out of it, Um, but what came out of it was just utter destruction of everything in my life that I'd built to that moment. Like the trust Mm -hmm. that I had with my mom, you know, it it wasn't destroyed, but it was definitely impaired. Um, you know, with within two weeks, I'm explaining like my mom heard through the grapevine that I did this thing, and then you know the I I had representation from you know modeling and acting, and all of a sudden I'm getting phone calls where that's an absolute breach of contract. You know, as far as like oh. how I represent myself, so I'm fired. Fired. My mom finds out I'm dating a girl at the restaurant that I'm working at. She's the nucleus of all of my friends. Been there for a long time. She was a very successful like dancer, like in that like hip hop world, and like had been in like Britney videos and stuff. So all of a sudden, oh, wow. you know, everyone hates me. Everything that I was out there to do is gone. I've embarrassed my mom. And my mom's like not mad at me, but upset with me and disappointed. And I'm just like, this cloud of like shame and guilt. My phone rings. It's the agent. Everything went great. Do you want to sign a contract? And I was in that moment where at that time, like, I wasn't someone who had integrity. I wasn't someone who had, you know, a, a lot of grit, you know, so I was facing this opportunity where I could have took, you know, picked pick my head up, you know, dusted my shoulders off and said, okay, you know, I screwed up. Let's figure something else out. You know, that, that there's, there's always a plan B is you just going to take a lot of work to get there. And yeah. instead I took the easy way out because I believed, well, I've ruined my life. This is the only opportunity that I can take. So, regardless of just who I am as a person, whatever I'm doing, for good or for bad, if it's eating chicken wings, if it's drinking beer, or if it's you know playing, you know, uh, what, what what I know a lot of people call it different, uh, like hacky sack or or whatever, whatever game it is, whatever 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 capacity is in life, whatever it is, I'm all in. I'm go, I'm gonna win. I'm gonna die trying. So it's like, okay, uh, I'm gonna be the biggest porn star in the world. That's that's just what I'm gonna do, Um, and I did, you know, in in a to a to a certain capacity where it was just like, okay, I have no, I have nothing else to do, so I've got nothing to lose. So let's let's just go for it. And that wow. And strangely, like somehow that happened. You know, over over the next six years, I did over a thousand movies, and what I didn't realize at the time. As each like each and every scene, it just like I gave a part of Joshua away. Like Joshua, yeah, like slowly was chipped away. And, and to your point earlier, it's like, um, you know, kind of the, the to 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 make it light, you know, the the scene from Tropic Thunder is like I was a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude, you know, like that. That's who I was because I was I was someone who had a fictitious name do, doing something that had a fictitious tone to it and it was never anything about me, you know? So it was never truly me. It was, it was, it was a counterfeit version of me and a counterfeit version of my dream and a counterfeit version of sex. But it was, it was never anything that at the end of the day I was proud of, you know, that like I've, I've owned a few gyms in my life. And I remember the first gym that I opened, you know, just building the rig, like putting it together, like, you know, I didn't have a dad growing up. I'm not super handy, but like building that rig, which took me hours and hours and hours. But like once I drilled that last screw in the ground and like, you know, put down the, you know, the stall mats and everything and cut everything and look perfect. Like it didn't look perfect by any means, but for me, it was like, man, there was a sense of accomplishment. I felt proud of myself. Mm -hmm. Um, there was
0: never anything remotely close to that in that industry. Well, it's interesting because you had, you, you talked about it being fictitious. You talked about it being a counterfeit version of sex. At the height of your career, you were doing 20 to 25 scenes a a month. And then you you said this in a CBN news quote, you said, and this was really powerful to me. It exposes something I think a lot of our guys need to hear. You said, um, it was never an intimate act. It was a business transaction that I needed to use drugs to be able to do. And then late in an interview with the post, you also said that it was fiction. And so the danger to me, so we've had every guy out there who works with guys who have porn problems. We've had so many of those guys on our show. It's almost like, okay, we don't need another porn guy Uh, because they're saying the same things, but it's really important to hear. And one of the things to me is the objectification of a man's own wife. Yeah, When a guy's involved in watching porn yeah. There's an objectification of her because he's he's fantasizing about things that people in the porn industry who make the movies call them fiction. So can you? Right. I mean, you're a perspective that's different than any guy we've ever had on the on the show. Can you talk to us about this fictitious counterfeit view of sex that that you actually were engaged in firsthand, yeah. yet isn't reality? I I hope I can articulate that, but I I want you to unpack the lie in this for the guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, the reality is, so it's our, you know, in that industry, it's your job to sell a lie. You know, it's like if if you watch The Matrix and you see like a cool fight scene, there's no way that you really believe that that's what it happened like that. You know, there's hours of, you know, editing and cutting and, you know, CGI and stuff like that. You know, it, it's not that much different in porn because you're like you see 20 25 minutes of footage but the reality is you you there's two people that don't want to be there I'm taking drugs she's using lubricant um you know it's like there there's there's a, there's a director telling you what to do there's a camera a camera B camera C there's someone shooting BTS there's a boom mic you know, over your head, there's a sea light in between your legs. There's, you know, uh, there's a PA eating Doritos in the corner. It's so you're objectified to a, to a point. So I I portray it like that where like, it's so far from like two people having sex. It's so far from that. Like, yes, it looks like that, but that's the point. That's the product you're buying. So you're, you're not like, you're consuming people. And when you treat people like products, you have a mm. you start to form a consumer mindset where I start to lose integrity as a person. I stop being a good friend because if you can't do something for me, then why would why would we have a relationship? So, like, th- there's that there's you know there's that part, and because it's counterfeit, so there's this study um, that this biologist won a Nobel Prize for. Um so it it's called a uh, supernatural stimulus and supernatural stimulus is this he took a but he took butterflies and he he studied the female and then he made a fictional female butterfly, but he made it more vibrant, bigger, better then he put it in space, and then all the male butterflies you know went over after that, and all of a sudden they stopped mating and all of a sudden you know the species stopped to exist, and all of a sudden the males started killing each other because they were angry and when you chase after something that's not real you'll become insatiable for it because you can never obtain it so the 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 fantasy that's being portrayed on that screen never was real to begin with and if you're chasing after that thinking that that is what sex is that is what satisfaction is you will be insatiable as well and it will lead to you acting out your mood changing you treating people differently you you know cutting corners in your job you cutting corners with boundaries because it blurs boundaries you know it's like it's like if i'm okay with doing this then what's next because every like everything is a gateway to the next thing you know every like if it's like and if if i'm working with you know i have a health and fitness background so it's like if i have someone that's like hey um i I, i'm only gonna have like one donut on this day it's like well well well, what like the problem is the emotional relationship with food. It's not the donut because at the end of the day, you know, if you consume X amount of calories, you're going to stay the same. If you eat less than that, you're going to lose weight. If you eat more than that, you're going to gain weight. That And that's science and that's real. But yeah. if if I can't eat one donut without wanting 12, like the issue is not the donut. The issue is how you see food and like are you consuming it on, you know, is, is it a response to – uh, something bad happening in my day? Am, am I looking for comfort in that thing? And I think like that's what porn is so much. It's like I'm yeah. looking to escape from reality. So I'm going to consume this product and I'm I'm looking for a feeling. But if you train your mind to consume that dopamine to cover up that thing, you'll never actually deal with the root of the problem, which is a multitude of things.
0: Well, that's it's so it's so cool hearing knowing your story and hearing you speak because most of the guys that speak against porn are guys who have recovered from the porn addiction, but you're speaking from the guy in the studio. And uh, you yeah. said that it's mood changing. And so I want to turn the corner here a little bit because you had said in an interview, uh, you said, quote, I had, I had all the sex I could have ever imagined, but once I had it all my life fell apart because it yeah. amplified the sorrow and emptiness I always always felt inside so you were living what guys out th- a lot of guys outside the church would think is the American dream you had money fame, all the sex you wanted beautiful women what, but then your life fell apart so what was the lie in that that you discovered during that season?
1: yeah I mean it's the, it's the lie that we all believe playing the comparison game if if I had ah. that home, I would be happy if I had that car, I would be happy if I was not single. I would be happy. And I believe the lie that, you know, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm a statistics guy. Um, so it's like once, you know, tracking everything, um, it's like once I eclipsed a million dollars, I would be happy. Once mm. I walked into the Louvre and had the money to go on a private tour in the Louvre museum, like I will be happy. Um, and then, and then it got to like, okay, I've been nominated for performer of the year three times. Once I win it, I'm the guy I'm the best. I will feel satisfaction. I will feel happy. And when I won it and it didn't work, that's when my life fell apart. Because if you ask anyone, like saying, Man, if I had a million dollars, I would be happy. Sure, you're gonna you're gonna feel happy in that moment when I give it to you. But then when you lay your head down the pillow, all your problems are still there.
0: Yeah, so, so for me, yeah, that's so yes. Yeah. So for
1: me, like when I won the award, it crushed me because it, it didn't fill the gap. It, 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 it broadened it. So all of a sudden, everything that I thought was going to go away was amplified because the last thing on my checklist didn't work. Cause I had all the money. I had all the girls. I traveled to literally anywhere I've ever wanted to go. It's like, I want to surf, you know, in, in Costa Rica. I want to, you know, do this. I want to do that. Um, and I did all those things. And yet here I am, um, just on my face, crying out to the God that I really didn't know saying, I want to die because my life is so terrible. And I believed very much so. And and this is, you know, this is the reality for people in that business. You believe you are what you did and you believe the lie that there's nothing else that you can do. You believe like I'm a prostitute. My worth is indicative of me selling myself for sex. And Mm. that is who I am. So what, worth what value do i have into the world if you asked me you know 10 11 years ago w- will you ever be a father will you ever be a husband will you ever contribute in any capacity no 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 because i believed i i didn't know how i wasn't good enough and no like no one valued me and what what value do i have to contribute in any capacity it's like i'm a prostitute that is who i am that is what i do that is my my now, my future and my end.
0: So that that was the trap that I'd fell into. Well, you know, it's interesting. You talked about after you'd have these scenes just to go take a shower because you felt dirty and, and there was a shame and guilt attached to the things that you were doing, but but then yeah. hope came along. Tell us about yeah. hope. What a what a yeah, brilliant so I, name for a guy in your position.
1: Yeah, God it was knows.
0: actually the 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 Trinity
1: it was it was funny because it's the Trinity of hope and somewhat so, uh-huh. so about two years about two years after I left the industry I was like what can I do I'm like well I got you know on a one off I got a uh, a personal training certification and I was like that's literally the only other thing I can do it's like I don't want to be on camera no one's gonna hire me to do anything like that like with any validity um, what experience do I have It's like, okay, personal training. That's it. So I I applied to every gym in the vicinity of where my mother lived. And I found myself in Raleigh, North Carolina, working at a gym again, came same mindsets like, yes, I'm cleaning bathrooms right now. You know, I'm out like cleaning up the parking lot, but it doesn't matter whatever I got to do. I'm going to be the best. And within two years, I'm, I'm in management at the gym. And, um, so there at that gym, I asked this girl on a date. She says no, which intrigued me. Actually, I was like, awesome. I was like, this must be one or more.
0: And the first um, rejection ever.
1: I Yeah. I mean, I, like, not far from true. But I was just like, so, and uh, I, I'm like, okay. She's like, well, do you want to go for a run? I'm like, man, I just want to like bench press and do power cleans and like sprint and like stuff like that. Like, I want no part. Of running a 5k or whatever you are you wanting to do but
0: preach it preach it brother <laughs> i will do
1: it i will do it i will yeah, do it there you go i'm with you and um so we we meet at this park and we're gonna go for this run and i'm sitting there and jim to this point i had lied to everyone i had met since i left the industry because when i left the industry i covered up my tattoos um ironically i had a celtic cross on my arm the irony in that so heavy but I cover that up with a, uh, like this, I got giant koi fish, like jumping out of water and stuff. But, um, I cover that up, delete my social media and believe that I'm just going to sweep it under the rug. And then people start asking and I keep getting found out. I lie. I get found out. I lie. I get found out. And that goes on and on and on to hurt tons of people. And I'm sitting there waiting on her to get there. I'm like, you know what? Like this girl's amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie to her. I'm just going to tell her the truth. So she, if she slaps me and walks away, whatever, <laughs> I'm going to tell the truth. Oh, and, that's
2: awesome.
1: and we go to start this run that turns in, like goes from a jog to a walk very quickly. Cause I'm, I'm talking to her, you know, I'm nervous. I'm, you know, putting it off and I'm like, you know what? I'm like, come on. I'm like, I got to tell you something. I did a little bit of porn. She was like, what? Excuse me. What's what? What? <laughs> and I was like, no man up. Tell the truth, you know, and um, I was like, it was like in that moment I like blacked out and I told her like everything and she's like looking at me like pretty wide eyed and she's like, well, I didn't expect that. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, and then she looks me dead in the eye. She's like, I want you to know this. Um, a person is not defined by the worst thing you've ever done. mm." And you're not defined by the greatest thing you'll ever do. God defines who you are. Do you know who God is? And I was like, yeah, you know, because I, I went into because I mean, I, I think this will speak to a lot of people. Uh, this is you know, for guys and girls, um, you often are never your most authentic self when you meet someone. You are this, you your your first date self. I like to call it. So I'm not going to be me. I'm going to be the version of me that I believe. You're going to like because whoever you want me to be, I'm going to be that because I want to convey something to you that gets you interested in me. So you want me to be Christian? Great. Awesome. Yes. I believe God exists. I believe that he's real, which was true. I grew up going to church and I did believe that he was real. And to be honest, Jim, if you would have asked me prior to that conversation, if I was a Christian, I would have said yes. But the the, the validity of that would have been based upon... I believe that God is real. I believe that he created everything including me. I and mean, it stopped there. And then she well, she was like, "Okay, well what's your relationship with Jesus like? Like what's your prayer life like? Like are you plugged in community?" And I was just like, "I mean, you like at that time like you were speaking you might as well have been speaking Japanese." I was like, "Yeah, totally. Uh, totally. Yeah, I was like no." Community? And then What's that? Yeah. And and then <laughs> when in normally when I would have lied, that would have been my instinct. I, I literally could not speak.
0: Mm.
1: And then I was honest for the first time in a very long time. I said, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. Wow. And then she shared with me. She's like, yeah, well, you know, I, I gave my life to Christ when I was in high school. I, you know, grew up in a Christian home. Um, you know, this is the church that I'm plugged in. I normally go here, but, you know, I've been thinking about starting attending this other church. You know, but, but anyway, do you like tacos? Like, what do you, you know, what do you like? What's your family like? And I, was, and I was expecting rejection. And, you know, very, it was very, you know, like, um, I, I teach on often like Colossians, like four, like verses one through six, where just Paul's, you know, in prison and he's, um, you know, praying for opportunities to preach the gospel and he's in prison for preaching the gospel, but he's saying how we are to interact with outsiders, to walk with wisdom yeah. towards outsiders. And our speech needs to be, you know, gracious and seasoned with salt. So we might know how we ought to answer each person. And the way that she responded to my confession, it actually broke down boundaries and cultivated curiosity in me. So later on in that week, after we've been texting like, you know, little high schoolers, um, she said, hey, do you want to go to church? I was like, absolutely. Yes. Because whatever that is in you that caused you to respond to that, I want some of that. and man, I kind of want to know more. And we, we went to church the next week. And, and to, the, to the irony, it's like, you know, we went to this church, Hope Community Church, where oh, I found funny. hope in Christ. And my wife's name is Hope.
0: Hope. That's cool. Well, you know, the cool thing in your story yeah. to me is is you, you swung completely the other way. Like God just brought you over. Uh, I would think that a guy with your history would have a lot of guilt and shame. Uh, in their life, with their past. Yeah. Uh, most women don't wake up. Most Christian women don't pray for a recovered porn star to marry. They want a virgin, yeah. right? So, so you know, right. obviously there's some stuff that she's she had to come to accept, but you said this, and I thought this was so powerful in an interview. You said, I built a life I can be proud of, and when I lie my head on my pillow at night, I'm not ashamed and I don't feel guilty. Then you continue, and you quote your wife here. I didn't realize this, but you said, you can allow your past to own you, or you can take control and own your past. And one of the quotes I quote with guys, more than I, I quote two quotes to guys all the time, Philippians 4, 6, about anxiety and worry. And then the other one I just quoted to a guy last week, Romans 8, 1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So talk to us about overcoming shame and guilt. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like um, the
1: first Bible that I had, like, like on the bottom of it, Second Corinthians five seventeen. So, like, that old person is dead. So the person that you see, you know, articulating these things to you, um, it, is not that person. That person is dead, and th- and I'm a new creation. I have a new heart and a new purpose, and I've been redeemed in Christ. So, like. That the the thing about with my wife, so a lot of people are like, man, how do you guys have this relationship? Well, the reality is, like, I was two years removed from that industry. She's never Uh watched porn, and it just sounded like something. It's like you know, I I used to tightrope walk in Japan or something. You know, it's like completely like out there, like beyond her comprehension. Um, And and also like she's like I was not a Christian for a week that she knew me. So it's like she never uh, knew me as that person. She only knew me like it like someone who was lost, then found, and then immediately on fire for Jesus. So like that that's why our dynamic is weird. Um, but I like obviously she's had her you know, her unique um just so so many things. I mean, I, I could go on and on with people who, you know, Social media, you know, full of antagonistic people who want to get reactions out of you yeah. and do hateful things. I mean, you know, when we when we were pregnant for the first time, we announced on Facebook that like it's a boy. And on the same day, someone created a uh, like a mirror account of me and sent pornographic images to every single person on my friends list. So including my wife, her family, my family, everyone at the church that we were, you know, a part of, I was literally in the interview process to be on staff at a church for the first time. So I was, I was in an internship process for about four years, but at this point, like I had applied for a job and like that, like, I, I don't know for certain if that was the thing that broke the camels, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, but yeah, um, very, very soon after that, you know, uh, you know, you not at this time, sir. You know, um, uh-huh, but yeah, there's like uh-huh. countless, countless times, um, stuff like that has happened. Like we used to own a gym and, you know, I, we, we, I have to like, as soon as I open an account of any kind, it's like, I'm all over the privacy settings because people are trying to post, post things. Um, but yeah, like that's something that she's had to deal with. And, and obviously, you know, we have a unique challenge in like, you know, what kind of conversation will we have with our children, um, but you know, to, to, to the point that you were saying, it's like, man, if I choose to live my life while owning my mistakes and using them, you know, very like Genesis fifty twenty, like the thing that tried to destroy me, I'm repurposing, you know, it, yep. with, with, you know, God's redemption and aiming it back at the industry. Um, I mean, there's nothing that you can say like, Oh, like someone the other day, like sent my wife a message. And was like, did you know that your your husband, you know, used to do X, Y, and Z? She's like, no, had no idea, you
0: know, but, (laughs) but, um. He what? (laughs) Yeah. Are you kidding me? Oh, so how, so how is, I don't want to, if this is an inappropriate question, just let me know. Did you guys have to overcome things in the bedroom because of your past? To be honest, no, because I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, so like everything I've ever experienced with my wife was love and everything else I've ever experienced in my life was lust. Like, and then, and then for, you know, for six, seven year period in my life, like I was having sex for money, you know, like sex with like that there was no intimacy involved, you know, like it was, you know, I'm taking pills or taking a shot so that I can do this thing so that I can get a check, you know? So like, it was so different, but also it's like so unique in our journey because, man, if, if this doesn't preach to somebody, hear this. So, um, my wife and I, we meet with, with so we met um, Easter. So we met Easter, start dating, get engaged in October, and, you know, and then we don't get married until July of that, of that following year. So we, pursued purity. We went to premarital coun cl- cal- you know, we we went to premarital counseling and you know, you know, we're like okay, we're going to be we're going to be completely celibate, you know, we're we're not going to do things that are going to just like lead to other things. And man, if like purity is not something that you, you know, safeguard, purity is a decision that you make each and every day. Like pure there there it's a destination, right? And the destination doesn't end. So it's a daily choice to pursue purity. and You can reclaim purity in Christ today, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what your life looks like, regardless of what you did five minutes ago. If you're seeing this podcast and you were watching porn five minutes ago today, you can repent and turn away from that and choose to live a different life because that's the biggest lie that everyone believes. This is just who I am. This is just what I do. This is too hard. Yeah, Living for Christ is hard. Living yep. a life that's like living a life period that's meaningful is hard. Being a good friend is hard. It takes work. Being a good husband is hard. It takes work. Being a good father is hard. It takes work. But there's nothing that's meaningful that doesn't require diligence.
0: Well, I appreciate the fact that you guys are absent before you until you're married. I did the same thing. I'm a little bit alarmed at how many Christian men out there listening to this podcast are living with their girlfriends or having sex with their girlfriends. And for some reason, there's this, for some reason, there's an acceptance within the church that it's okay to live with your girlfriend, parade her around the church like a prostitute, and everybody thinks it's okay. Can you speak to those single guys right now?
1: Yeah. I mean, it like, Maybe you're in a situation where it's it's, you know, you you guys are engaged and you decided to move in together Um, like today. Start sleeping on the couch. Like if, if financially like you, you you can't like, OK, like we've committed to this. We're getting married in three months. OK, great. Sleep on the couch. Make the make the decision to sleep on the couch because you know why? Because it's going to honor your wife and it's going to benefit your marriage going forward. And there's no decision you'll ever make in one day. Other than giving your life to Christ, it's gonna impact your forever more than a decision like that. So I, I think like that's the lie. Because in the church, we've we've gotten really slow about hurting people's feelings.
0: And yeah, for and sure. That's
1: like that's that like John 5, John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you'll obey my commandments, right? So if you understand who Christ is, you'll understand his tone. He's not saying if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. He's saying if you love me you'll obey my commandment. So when I tell my kids to, not to touch the stove, they don't do it because they think they're going to get slapped if they do it. They do it because I love. they love me and they trust that I know what is best. So when God puts boundaries in our life, he does that to prevent us from being hurt. And there's so many things that like, man, um, just for me, like getting out of that industry, I had no idea how socially awkward and so, you know, just socially like unequipped I was. Because if you ask me a question about something, I could talk all day. Or if we're just having dinner and going to a movie and consuming, consuming, consuming. But if you sit on the couch and look at me in the eye and say, hey, tell me about yourself, froze. Mm -hmm. Like the most scary thing to me, like when I got out of the industry, is to look someone in the eye and shake their hand, terrifying. Have sex in front wow. of 10,000 people? No problem. No problem. You do that without blinking. But look me in the eye and shake my hand because that's real.
0: There's nowhere to hide Wow. From. Wow. Well, you know, it's interesting. So one of the things I tell guys, the younger guys, is I tell them life is more serious than you think in your early 20s. The things that yeah. you struggle with or celebrate in that period of time are going to come back later in life. What do you tell? What do you? What would you like to tell younger guys that are listening to this?
1: Yeah, I mean, whatever you're dealing with, like, like I I think so. Understanding, like, a biblical perspective, like understanding what meekness means. Like, meekness Uh, doesn't mean to trampled over. Meekness is, you know, strength under control. So to 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 man up and to be a man is to say, man, um, I've got some insecurity issues. I need to work. I need to work on myself because you can't lead anyone until you can lead yourself. So, so what I, what I would encourage you to do is like, man, if you're struggling with porn today, um, as diligently as you're pursuing a, a spouse, you need to eradicate that from your life. So it's like, you need to take inventory of your life. It's like, man, um, what, what, what is it that I'm doing or consuming on a daily basis? That's not beneficial for me. And it's like, if it's something that I'm doing, is it benefiting the direction I want to go? Because if the answer Mm -hmm. is no, it's got to go.
0: Oh, that's a good point, man. That's a good point.
1: Yeah. I mean that, and it's just like, you know, just simple things like, you know, are, are you good at managing money? Like, it doesn't matter how much you're making. Like, are you, are you taking like intentional Ah. like steps to like better your credit to save money? Or like, do you like, do you know how to take someone on a date? Do you know how to like treat someone with honor? Do you know what honor is? Do you respect yourself? You know, um, what is your circle of friends look like? Who is leading you? Or do you have a mentor in your life? Do you have someone who holds you accountable? Because accountability works two ways. Like you need someone in your life that on a weekly basis, you can call and be honest with them. And they want, they should be often giving you a kick in the butt and encouraging you because if you're not getting both, that's not accountability because, because one is legalistic and one is missing the mark. So it's yep. like you need both. And like that, that was the thing that changed my life. So I, I, the, the, like about two weeks after I gave my life to Christ, I walked into a church and I was like, Hey, um, is there someone I can talk to? And they're like, uh, this this uh executive pastor his name is pastor gary he was like you know yeah what you know tell me about it what's going on i "I feel like god wants me to build a boat he's like you're crazy but let's hear it (laughs) and i was like well i want to do something that's bigger than i can comprehend and my grandfather did teach me this if you want to do something uh, figure out how to do it really well and you do that by finding someone who is doing what you want to do better than you could ever imagine and ask a lot of questions and shut up and listen. So I was like, I want to ask a lot of questions. And he's like, that's great. Right down the hall, <laughs> right down the hall, there's this there's this man Andrew. And Andrew was, you know, he had just moved to town from Dallas and him and his wife were going to launch another campus and he uh he met with me and I thought we were going to meet that one time and he was going to teach me a little bit about like what it meant to read the Bible, like context or whatever. And I was like, okay, that sounds great. And little did I know that he was going to spend the next four and a half years and still to this day uh, mentoring me 15 to 20 hours a week, you know, speaking into my life, you know, telling me what it meant to be a man. Because for me, like something I'm passionate about is like, Man, uh, as as, a, as someone who grew up as a fatherless man, like mm-hmm. um, the the key to understanding what it means to be a man after God's own heart, before you are a husband, before you are a father, if you don't understand who you are in Christ, you're going to miss the mark in a lot of aspects. So for me, you know, uh, Second Cor- Second Timothy three sixteen, it talks about all scriptures God breathed and good for you know teaching, rebuking, and, re- and reproof. And reproof is the thing that was most necessary for me because reproof means to dismantle and destroy. So I had to dismantle and destroy the lies that I believed about myself, the lies that I believed about God, and the lies I believed about how I was to appropriate myself in the world. And I rebuilt a new foundation based on biblical truth. And that foundation grew over time and He, you know, he kicked me in the butt when I needed a kick in the butt and he encouraged me along the way. And like that
0: relationship changed the trajectory of my life. That's so cool, man. It's just a, it's a great message God has given you. So you have three sons. They're how old? Yeah, so Cannon is uh, Cannon. Four what a great name! Yeah, so why, yeah, why don't why yeah. are guys name why don't more guys name their kids like cool things like Cannon? Yeah, what's the other gun? Yeah. Rifle? What what did you name your kids? Cannon. Yeah. Who else? Yeah, so cool. Cannon, Cannon, Lincoln, and Judah are, are their names. That's yeah, hard. your wife continues to impress me because I know she yeah. had to allow that. So how old are they? Oh yeah, yeah. So Cannon will be four in July.
1: Lincoln's two, and Judah, um, he is eight months. That's
0: awesome so what what are some things that you've learned from the past that you're gonna teach your sons in the future?
1: yeah, I mean to for like the the big like the most practical thing just like you know not like not running from emotion like in that uh, moment like yeah, it's okay yeah. like. You know, like that's something that I learned, especially like my for for context. My wife is an elementary uh, school teacher, Uh so she is great at, you know, breaking down information and, you know, communicating in a way that's understandable and also just processing through things. So, you know, when you're mad about something, you know, it's like canon's old enough for us to have that conversation. Like, like, why are you upset? Not like I'm mad that you're upset. You know, talk to me. Like, can you tell me what you're upset about? And 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 it's just like just taking moments like that where I'm like, all my like a lot of my life, it was I had emotions that I didn't understand, mm-hmm. and I and I dealt with them in ways where I didn't like lean into them. I ran away from them, and then I used coping mechanisms. You know, I I, I use achievements. I used, you know. Getting the girl or, or sex or accomplishments or money or, or whatever it was. It was all, you know, to to cover up this confusion that I had inside because I never thought that I was very good. You know, like I didn't think I was Gosh, worth much. Yeah. So I felt yeah. like I had always proved myself in some capacity.
0: Well, that's cool that you found your true worth in Jesus. And so, yeah. man, th- this is so cool. We're coming to the end of our time here. And normally, what I do at this time is I ask people how they can get a hold of your resources. But I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so, so, how can guys connect with you? I know you've got a great following on Instagram. How can guys connect with you if they have more questions and and things they're working through? What's the best way to figure out and find out what you're doing.
1: Yeah. So all of that can be found on my website. So my website is Joshua so um, dot me. So just Joshua broom dot me. So that's my website. So I have, you know, all my upcoming speaking engagements. If someone's interested in booking me regarding a, a you know, some type of communication, whether it's preaching or podcast or whatever it might be, um, you can find that there. And then there's a page where, you know, everything that I've done recently, but all of that's there. All my social media is there, but all of my social media is I am Joshua Broom. Um, so that that's my social media across the board on everything. And uh, but the website is the best
0: place to get in contact with me. Well, you know what's funny is you know I I appreciate because I follow you on social media. So I am Joshua Broom. It's almost I love that what that says because it's saying to the world. Here I am, baby. I'm going to expose yeah. myself figuratively yeah. to the world, and I'm going to be my authentic self. And I just think that's just such a gutsy move. I continue to applaud that man. So, yeah. hey, thanks so much for coming on our show, man. I look forward to getting you on soon and discussing some other stuff. It's We're going to yeah. have a great time. But, hey, I want to get boots on the ground, Josh. And before we leave, I want to get boots on the ground. And I bet I've said this on at least a, a dozen episodes before. And, Dale, I'm going to need your help. So guys, I have Covenant Eyes on every device I own, uh, and I Dale did some fancy thing when I got my new computer. Well, every time I get a computer, and I I don't even think I can look at porn. I mean, you put some kind of weird filter on there, right? Uh, you can, or did you just tell me that? But I, mean, you, I don't know. But I will find out, and your wife will get a notification and a sweet screenshot of what you're looking at on Covenant yeah. Eyes. Yeah, but you yeah. also did something to the computer. So here's the boots on the ground, guys. Listen, guys. You know what you call a smartphone that is unprotected in the hands of a man? A dumb guy. Smartphone yeah. unprotected in the hands of a guy is a dumb guy. So, guys, get that phone protected. Get that computer protected. Get every uh, thing in your house protected from you and get filters on your thing. Just do it, guys. I don't know. We continue to have guys pushing back on that. Don't push back. It's money well worth your effort. Guys, if you have any more questions, hit up Joshua at IamJoshuaBroom. You can check out his website. Guys, until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man.
2: You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook this is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins.